get you to open up to the book of Galatians as, uh, as we continue to journey through the Word of God. As we take a look at what the Lord has for us this morning, may we be reminded the battle that uh, Galatians is right over is the battle in regard to what are we going to do with our faith? Is our faith going to be a faith that is based on what I do, what I can accomplish, um, or is our faith based on what God's going to do and what God has accomplished? As we look at Galatians chapter 3, we want to see that there's a, an attitude in mankind. The attitude in mankind is this. Listen, folks, there's basically two religions in the world, and that's it. One religion is on God's accomplishment. The other religion is human achievement. They all fall in one of those two categories. Whether or not our faith and trust and hope is in what we can accomplish in ourselves. How many times have you heard it said? Maybe you've said it yourself. I'm a good person. Well, you see, if we listen to what the Word of God teaches us, it tells us in the book of Romans, there is none good. If our hope is in the achievements we're able to do and the ability we have to be good, according to the word of God, we're going to fall short. We cannot please God by works of the flesh. We please God by works of faith, trusting in him, trusting in his accomplishment, what God has already wrought for us, putting our hope in him, our trust in him. So as we begin, as we take a look, Galatians chapter 3 begins up the portion of the book of Galatians that deals with the doctrine. We have had uh, Paul's personal uh, uh, um, efforts as he speaks to us in chapters 1 and 2. In chapter 3, it's doctrinal. Chapters uh, 5 and 6 are going to lay out for us a practical application of the doctrine that he lays out. What is that doctrine? Listen, the just will live by faith. In order to be right with God, your right status, your righteousness is based on your faith, not your performance. The faith that you place in the finished work of Jesus Christ is what makes us right with God. It's also what sets Christianity apart from every other religion. That our our Belief is based on a finished work that God has done for us. And receiving that free gift that He offers to us, putting our hope and trust in Him, in His Word, being empowered by His Spirit to then be the people that God has called us to be. And all that comes from faith. The faith, the trust that we put in Him. He begins in chapter 3. O foolish Galatians! Who has bewitched you? Interesting that on Halloween we would have a scripture on bewitching. The idea behind the scripture is simply who has, who has pulled the wool over your eyes? Who has confused you? Who has, who has brought you to a place that you're willing to trade the truth for the lie? As I was studying, I came across a quote by McLaren. I want to share it with you. He says this, We often court the coming of the evil influence and are willing to be fascinated and turn our backs on Jesus. Mysterious it is, for why should men cast away diamonds for paste? Mysterious it is, for we do not usually drop the substance to grab the shadow. Mysterious it is, for man does not ordinarily empty his pockets of gold in order to fill them with gravel. Mysterious it is, for a thirsty man will not usually turn away from a full, bubbling, living fountain to see if he can find any drops still remaining, green with scum, stagnant and odorous at the bottom of a broken cistern. But all these follies are sanity, as compared with the folly of which we are guilty, times without number. When we have known the sweetness of Jesus Christ, and we turn away to the fascinations of the world... See, what was happening with the church of Galatia is they had received Jesus, they had trusted in Him, and people came along and said, that's a good start. That's a good start, but now you need to add this. Now you need to add that. And they came with their rules and their regulations, and slowly in our mind it begins to twist. 
And what begins to twist is our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ we trade in for an idea of works righteousness. That if I follow this list of do's and don'ts, I'll be right with God. When the word of God clearly teaches I'm right with God based on my faith in Jesus Christ. Now all of a sudden my stance with him, my relationship with God depends on me. And my ability to be good. Folks, I don't want to shock you at all, but I don't really have much ability to be good. You might notice when I speak with you, often people think I know something that I don't. When I say, have you been good? Are you being good? When I say that, I'm just confessing to you that I'm not always very good. And I know that you being a human are not always very good either. Isn't it great to know that our relationship with God is not based on our ability to be good. It's based on His ability to save that's what it's based on. That's what it's all about. So when he says, oh, foolish Galatians, foolish means unthinking. Those who, who, who aren't really putting two and two together, they're, they're unthinking and they're bewitched by this idea that I can measure up in, in my ability to be spiritual. And what, folks, what we do when we start doing that is we look at other people and we start judging ourselves based on them. Oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so, they're doing okay, but I, you know, I noticed that they still smoke, or, or, or I saw them drinking the other day, or I saw them do this, or I saw them do that. And we elevate ourselves on a spiritual plane that somehow we are more righteous. There's no such thing. There is none righteous, no, not one. Our righteousness is a gift from Jesus Christ as we trust Him. We put our faith and hope in him, in his finished work. You see how sneaky the devil is? Because the devil starts putting this idea. Folks, every one of us who grew up in church has seen this at one time or another. Or have experienced it at one time or another. This idea of works righteousness. That somehow I'm made more right with God or God loves me more because of what I do. Or because of what I don't do. And the reality is, folks, God can't love you anymore. What else does he have to give you that he hasn't already given? Didn't he freely give you his son? What more was there? What greater treasure in heaven than what God has already bestowed upon us? What God has already given unto us? So, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Now he's going to begin getting into six different arguments. And the first argument is an argument based on personal experience. So he's going to say, listen, think about your personal experience with the Lord. And you'll see that our works do not play into our salvation. What he lays out for them here in this beginning argument is here. Listen, remember what you have heard. He said, who before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. The central message that Paul had was Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the gospel. God came in the flesh, paid the price for us. He died for us that we, upon trusting him, might receive everlasting life. That's, that's the gospel in a nutshell. He said, listen, this is clearly portrayed literally it means in the greek to be put on a billboard like it's it's on this big screen for everyone to see for everyone to understand so when he talks about their personal experience he says this is not what you were taught remember what you were taught for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him would not perish but have everlasting life there are no works involved in there. What's involved? Faith. Believing. Trusting in the finished work that Jesus Christ has done and that he desires to do. Remember what you have heard. Christ crucified. This is our, our, our obligation to the Lord. Listen, our vision gets cloudy. It gets clouded whenever it's, it's the centrality of Jesus Christ becomes mixed with works. 
that it's Jesus plus something else. That it's Jesus plus baptism. That it's Jesus plus uh, circumcision. In their case, that it's Jesus plus anything means that Jesus' work on the cross wasn't enough. Jesus' work on the cross was enough. The scripture clearly lays out for us that he was sacrificed, his sacrifice once for all. That in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become what? The righteousness of God. That Jesus became or took our place. He bore our sin. He became that sin. He died, breaking the bondage of sin in our life. He rose again because death had no power over him. He paid the ultimate price for us so that if we will by faith Trust in him, as he said, believe, put our weight into him, and we'll have everlasting life. It's that simple. It's that easy. But the Galatians, the, the church in the area of Galatia, the churches there were being deceived to add works, add something else to what Jesus had already done. Then he goes on to say, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit? By the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How did you receive the Spirit? You see, the Word of God lays out for us that when we ask Jesus Christ to be a Lord and Savior of our life, when we surrender our will to His, when we believe, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of us. Does that happen based on a work or based on faith? See, in Acts chapter 10, we're introduced to Peter as he brings an initial message to the Gentile nations. And as Peter goes to Cornelius' house, Cornelius says, I had a dream, a vision, I want to know God, I want to understand God. And God sent me a vision and said to call for you, and you'd help me understand. So I sent for you, here you are, now tell us what you have to say. So Peter began to preach. Peter didn't even get to the punchline of his message. As he began to preach, as he began to share with them the truth of what Jesus Christ had done, immediately they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues. And it blew the minds of the Jews that were there with them. Why did it blow their minds? Well, wait a minute. They, they haven't done all the, all the things they're supposed to do. Well, what things? Well, you know, they, they didn't stand up and come forward at an altar call. Well, they didn't pray this specific prayer. Well, they, they, haven't been, they haven't been baptized yet, and, and, and they haven't gone to special classes to understand what it is to be a Christian. All these things they haven't done yet, yet the Holy Spirit was upon them. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, what did that mean? They were saved right then. They were saved right then. You mean, belief is that simple? Sure, it's that simple. It's, I trust in Him. It's also that complicated, as we'll see in a moment. But as we look at it, the concept is the Holy Spirit comes how? By works? Because they were good? Because they read their Bible and prayed every day? No. They didn't even have a Bible yet. But the Holy Spirit was upon them with power. And it came by faith, not by works. It wasn't something they did. It was someone they trusted Listen, I love what Luther says about faith. Let me share it with you. Luther says, Faith in God constitutes the highest worship, the prime duty, the first obedience, and the foremost sacrifice. Without faith, God forfeits His glory, wisdom, truth, and mercy in us. The first duty of man is to believe in God and to honor Him with His faith. Faith is truly the height of wisdom, the right kind of righteousness, the only real religion, faith says to God, I believe what you say. That's faith. I believe what you say. I'm reminded of this, this couple that we were, were sharing with you a little bit earlier. Natalie and Greg, as they watch their little baby, this, this concept that they have in their mind of what their life with this baby was going to be like, totally changed from the time the baby was born until the Lord took the baby home. But they said, we know 
All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Does it say we feel? No, it says we know. They said, by faith, I believe what God's word says more than I believe the hurt within my heart. I trust God anyway. I have faith. And that faith is what pleases God. The scripture declares for us, for without faith it is impossible to please God. How can you please God? By what you do? By works of the flesh? What did Isaiah say about works of our flesh? The works of our flesh are as filthy rags. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. The best we can do is filthy rags. That's not very good. That's not very good. So why, listen, why put your trust in what you can do? Why not put your trust in what God has done? But folks, if we went out and we took a, we took a poll of people across the United States and we asked them if they believe in God, well, they, 80% of the population would say yes. And then if you ask them, well, how is it that you're going to go to heaven? They're going to flip that around and say, because I'm a good person. So your faith is in God's accomplishment or human achievement. And if your faith is in human achievement, it's misplaced. And it's not saving faith. And that's not a relationship with God. That's a deception of the enemy. That's why so many people, so many people across this nation are perishing every day because their faith is in their ability to be a good person. But the Bible says we can't be. We cannot be good so god came and was good for us and then he bore upon himself the price of our failure so that we don't have to bear it and then he says i will give this to you if you believe what's that i believe in what god says I put my trust in Him. My faith is in Him. Listen, we receive the Holy Spirit based on faith. Look what he goes on in verse 3. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect in the flesh? How did they get saved? It was a work of faith. So now am I being made complete by what I do? Or am I complete in Christ? Folks, Jesus said from the cross, what? Almost finished? Almost done? You know, as soon as you do a few things, then it'll be finished? What did he say? It is finished. It's accomplished. It is done. The price is paid. We rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's where our salvation lies. That's where our trust and faith uh, meets the, the rubber of the road. We are finished. We are not completed or made perfect by our flesh. We are made perfect in faith. As we trust Him, having begun in the Spirit, now let us continue to walk in the Spirit. So He said, first, remember what you have heard. Then, remember what you have seen. Remember what you have seen as the Holy Spirit came upon you in power and majesty. Then he goes on. So have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. Now here's the interesting thing. That word suffered can also mean experienced. You see, listen, he's laying out what? The, the, the argument of personal experience. The things you've gone through in life. The things you've suffered. Are they just in vain? Or those things, did we see in those things, in your experiences, the truth that we are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest what? Anyone would boast. He says, what does your experience tell you? The things you've suffered, the things you've been through. They lay out for you the truth of what God's word says. That our salvation comes... By faith, by trusting in Him. 
Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Miracles, the miracles that occur in your life, the miracles that they experienced in Galatia, which you can read about in Acts chapter 13. Did, they, did those come because of works of the law? Because you kept the law? Because you were a good person? Is that why you were healed? Because you were a good person? Is that why God worked those miracles in your life? How about this one? Because you're a good person? Is that why God worked that miracle of salvation in your life by which you have become a new creation? Created in Christ Jesus our Lord? Because I'm no longer who I was. The miracle of salvation has occurred in my life. And that occurred based on faith. It wasn't something I did. It wasn't something I do. Folks, we've got to rectify that idea in our mind that what I do is going to make God more happy with me or what I've done is going to make Him less happy with me and realize our righteousness comes by faith in Him. Trusting Him. He makes us complete. Listen, the miracles inside and outside... The lack of blessing in our life. What is that? What is it about? Is it because I haven't earned enough? Or because I'm not trusting in Christ as being central, joyful, and the confident expectation of my life? We look at the lack of blessing or the lack of miracles in our life and we think it's because I haven't earned or deserved them. But you see, the life of faith is not one looking for, for earning or deserving The life of faith is looking at believing and receiving. Believe and you will receive. Isn't that what Jesus said? Listen, let's take a look at Luke chapter 11, beginning about verse 9. As we look at Luke chapter 11, we'll see what it is that Jesus said. He said, So I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. If a son asks you for bread from any father among you, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Ask. So, If faith means I believe what you say, Lord, then in order to have the Holy Spirit manifest in my life, what do I need to do? Ask. When I ask, it shows I trust what God said. I believe. I believe. I say, Lord, you said this would happen. It will happen. So, Lord, give me the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Empower me with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, if you ask, you receive. Well, I hear a lot of people use this scripture on a lot of different things. What's the context of this scripture? What's he talking about? The Holy Spirit. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? Is it how I receive a Mercedes Benz? Is that how I receive a new house? Is that how I receive money so I can pay my bills? Or is it how I receive the Holy Spirit? I ask and I receive by faith. This is how it's done. By faith. You see, works worries about earning. And faith believes and receives. It's a difference. It's a difference. And it often creeps into our mind. So this first argument is, he, is he, that he wraps up. He says, listen, based on your personal experience, the fact that you saw Jesus crucified, clearly portrayed for you, Jesus' crucifixion being central to everything you do, not your earnings, but what God has already done. The fact that the Holy Spirit came upon you by faith, not through works. The fact that God has moved in your life in miracles, in healings, in different things, all based on your faith, not works. So his first argument is on your personal experience, guys. You saw all this happen. Now, why would you take that pocket full of gold and throw it on the ground and replace it with gravel and say, now I need to work my way? It's ridiculous. 
So Paul's going to go on. and It's, it's not only the, the court of, of my own experience, but now he enters into the court of Scripture. What does the Scripture say? What does the Scripture teach? Guys, look at it. He goes on in verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And we're going to tear this apart a little bit this morning, because if we don't clearly understand what this is talking about, then we can miss a boat in a couple of different directions. So let's back it up. Abraham believed. What does that mean? What occurred for Abraham, for Abraham to, to believe? If we want to know, then let's flip it over to, to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15 is where this scripture is taken from. So let's back up and take a look at what it was that God was laying out for us that we can understand what was happening in Abraham's life. What was occurring that he would come to the place of salvation in the Old Testament by faith? Interesting idea. Well, it says in chapter 15, verse 1, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Here's what happened. Abraham, remember, remember Lot? Lot was taken. Uh, he was living in Sodom. Sodom was conquered by five different kings. He was taken as prisoner. Abraham and the original 300 gathered together 300 hired servants that were equipped to do a work uh, to go to battle for him. Those 300 went and conquered the five kings. 300 against armies of five kings. Obliterated them and set all the captives free. They came back and Abram set Lot back home. Lot, you can go home. Good job. Things are good. Everything's great. And then chapter 15 begins. Maybe Abram's worried. Maybe he's thinking, I wonder what happens if those five kings try to come against me. You ever get bogged down by the worries of life? The what ifs? Like, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if, you know, the Bible says that we're not to worry. Why? Does our worry change anything? What does it do for us? It makes us anxious. We can't even add an inch to our stature. We can't change anything by worry. The Bible says, rather than worry, what? Trust Him. So here Abram's in this place, and the Lord says to him, I'm your shield. I'm your protection. I'm the one watching over you. Don't worry. I got your back. I got your back, Abram. And I'm your exceedingly great reward. You see, after that whole thing, what did he get for all his trouble? Nothing. He didn't take anything. The Lord said, Abram, I'm your reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I have no child and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Abram's whining a little bit. And Abram said, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heirs. My servant is going gonna, is gonna to receive everything that I have, everything that you give me. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, This one will not be your heir, but one which will come from your own body will be your heir. And he brought him outside and he said, Abram, look into heavens and count the stars if you're able to number them. God said, So will your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him righteous. Did he have a kid yet? No, it's going to be some 75 years before that happens. How long you had to wait for a promise in your life? Anybody waited 75 years yet? Some of us were still holding out, right? I don't know. We're still waiting. But do you have the faith? Do you believe God? Do you believe that if God said it, he'll do it? Jesus said, if I go, I'll prepare a place for you. But if I go, I will come again to bring you unto myself that where I am, you will be also. You believe it? He hasn't come yet. Is he coming? Will he come? We believe. Do we believe? If we believe, it's counted to us for righteousness. Faith is believing what God said. See, this is what Abram did. So when Abram said, I believe, Abram believed the Lord. What did he do? Nothing. He didn't even have a kid. 75 years later, he's going to have a child. What did he do to be made righteous? Did he keep the law? 
Oh, the law doesn't exist yet. It's still roughly 600 years away. What works did he do? More nothing. He believed God. He believed God. But folks, we want to understand that concept. We want to understand the concept of belief. Then I need you to turn with me to the book of James. Because that's where we're going to find an understanding of what belief is all about. In James chapter 2, as we take a look, so often when we get into this section of scripture, people want to avoid James. We don't avoid the word of God. We need to devour the word of God, to eat, to make the word of God a part of who we are. So what does it say? He says in verse 14, so what does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? What can we say, brethren? What does it profit if someone says, what's James talking about? Listen, in this first section of James chapter 2, he's talking about dead faith. What did he say about this faith? Faith? He said, if someone says he has faith, but there are no works, no fruit, can a faith that you say you have save you? The answer that James says is no, and he gives us an example. He says, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things that are needed for the body, what does it profit? If you come to me and you say, Jackie, I don't have any food, I'm hungry, and I say to you, be filled. Are you full? Listen, I had three teenage boys. I tried that a few times. They would go through, they'd, go, they'd hit the refrigerator and there'd be six gallons of milk in there. And if, if all three of them hit the refrigerator at the same time, I don't know what they'd do with it. It'd just be gone. So I'd stand and before they get to the fridge, wait, wait boys, wait. Be filled. <laughs> they just look at me like I'm crazy. Dad, I'm hungry, get out the way. Why? What is be filled? Words. Words make you or break you? Words. It's easy to say things like, I love you. A lot of guys have told that lie to a woman just to try to get her to sleep with them. Oh, I love you. No, really, I love you. Was it real or just words? Just words. You want to know what real love is? I'll tell you what real love is. Real love is Jacob and Rachel. Why? Because he had to work seven years in order to have her. He didn't get a date. He didn't get to go out and do anything else. And the Bible says those seven years seemed like but a moment to Jacob. His love was so great for Rachel. He waited seven years. Now you tell me, fellas, you can't wait one more weekend. Oh, I can't. Oh, I love you so much. It's, that ain't love. It ain't love. True love waits. Period. Words don't save. Words are not believing. I can say to someone, do you believe God? And they can say, yes. Does that mean anything? James says, if your faith does not produce anything, it's dead, and you are deceived. If there is no... But Jackie, you just said that works don't save. You're right, works don't save. Your faith saves you. I'm trying to tell you what's real faith. I'm trying to tell you what's real. A lot of people spend their life, folks, every Sunday morning in church and have no relationship with Jesus Christ. But they say they believe. If that's you this morning, I'm telling you how to tell that's you. That it's, it's not about faith or works. It's not about faith and works. It's about faith that works. It's about fruitfulness in life. 
Don't be deceived. We want that true dynamic belief, not just fooling ourselves with empty words, saying be filled and them not being filled. He goes on to give us another example. He says, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. Can you show the truth of Jesus Christ in your life without doing anything? It's only words, right? Now, does that mean he's not in there? Oh, of course it doesn't mean that. Because he comes in by faith, not requiring any works. We're saved by faith, by trusting in him. He enters into my life. But then James says, I'll show you Jesus in my life by what I do. By how I respond to what he's done for me. He goes on to tell us about another type of belief. He says, you believe there is one God. You do well. Even demons believe and tremble. Are demons saved? When I was a kid and I didn't really understand things, I used to say to people, hey, do you believe in God? You know, trying to to see if they they knew Jesus Christ as their Savior. And, And they would say, yeah, I believe in God. And I thought, well, cool. Then you're good to go. Really? Because the demons believe in God. Are they saved? No. Why? What is it about demonic faith? What is it about them? It's a faith of the intellect. Well, yeah, I believe God exists. Are you surrendered to him? Oh, no. Is a demon surrendered to God? Nope. Demonic faith knows that God exists, but is not surrendered to him. In other words, it's me... It's my human achievement. I'm not trusting in what God has done. I'm taking care of this. Yeah, I believe God exists. Super. Believing that God exists does not save. Believing in God, that dynamic faith, is saving faith. Abraham believed, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. But when we look at Abraham's life, we said, what did he do? So how was this work evident? Well, let's take a look. James is going to go on and tell us. He says in verse 20, But do you not know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Wait! You just said he he wasn't justified by works. He was justified by faith. And now it says that he was justified by works. You see, I knew the Bible's just confusing. It doesn't make any sense. Let me give you a real short lesson on how to interpret Scripture. In Acts chapter 15, Paul and James stand up and say, We are both in agreement that you are saved by faith alone, through grace alone, that it is not of works. Then Paul writes Galatians and says that we're saved by faith alone. It's just in your faith. And then James writes James and says that faith without works is dead. And people say they're in disagreement. Wait, back up. What did I say about Acts 15? They're both in agreement. You don't get to make your own private interpretation of Scripture. You allow Scripture to interpret Scripture. Acts 15 says they're in agreement. So if they're in in agreement, what is it? That, that James is talking about. James is talking about how to understand the difference between real faith and a false faith. He's saying, how do we know that Abraham, his faith was real? How do we know it? He says, we know it by what he did. What did he do? He offered his son Isaac. Really? Now you tell me, how far from Genesis chapter 15... To Genesis 22. Abraham was saved in Genesis 15. The fruit of God in his life was evident 55 years later. Let that sink in a minute. 55 years later was the fruit evident of the true faith in his heart. That's when people could see 
That's the point James points to and says, see, I know Abraham believed in Genesis 15 because of what he did in Genesis 22. What did he do? He believed what the word of God said. He had faith. God said, all the nations will be blessed through your seed. This son that I promise you. And Abraham brought that son to offer him as a burnt offering to the Lord. Unto God, he gives him to him and he says to the Lord, I know that when I kill my son, God's going to raise him from the dead because he has to live. God's word can't be false. He had faith. It was evidenced. It was proven. It was faith that works when he offered his son on the altar and he lifted the knife. It was true faith. So how do we know? How do I know, Jackie? I mean, I, I, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but, but the, the works, the, the, the works that came out of Abraham's life were 55 years later. Because Jesus said in John chapter 15, if you abide in me, I abide in you. I am the vine, you are the branches. How do branches produce fruit? They just stay connected to the vine, right? And what happens? Fruit happens. What happens with true faith? Do I have to work it up? No. It happens. It's a natural outpouring of the truth in my life. Listen, if I look at my life and I say to you, I believe God, and there is zero evidence in my life. If I'm, if I'm living in opposition to God's word, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying, man, I cannot see the truth of your faith living in your life. I can't see the truth of it. It's a dangerous place to be, isn't it? I can't see the truth of your faith. The Lord doesn't call us to judge one another, but he does tell us to inspect the fruit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read it when we get there. Beginning about verse 21. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Those are the things that ought to be pouring out of a life that has believing faith. Do I work it up? Do I force it? Do I go? Listen, folks, I can have dead faith and try by my works to make it living. I can't do it. Living faith only comes, or, or, or the works that produced from living faith only come from trusting in Jesus Christ completely, being surrendered to him. Abraham believed God. What kind of belief was it? Demonic? No. Dead? No living. How do we know it was living faith? Because it was faith that works. Not faith plus works. It was faith that works. It was faith that accomplished something. It was faith that trusted in God utterly and completely. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him. What's that word accounted mean? Nobody knows? Listen, it goes like this. When you get home today, take out everything out of your savings account and account it to me. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> oh, now everybody knows what it means, huh? God accounted to him righteousness. That means God put into Abraham's account righteousness. God did it. God put it there because Abraham believed what God said. Do you believe what God said. Not do you believe God exists. Not, not just asking for words. I'm asking for reality. Do you believe what God said? Because if I believe what God said, I will put my weight into it. That's what it means to believe. To put your weight into I believe God's word, I'm going to put my weight into God's word. That means I'm going to take God's word and I'm going to want to follow God's word because I believe God's word. 
I believe what God said. And if I believe what God said, then I'm going to apply what God said in my life. If I'm not applying what God said in my life, then all I can say is, all I see evidenced is words. There's no magic prayer, guys. Church after church after church has tried to make something magical about salvation. What do you mean? Well, for example, church, there are churches who say, hey, if every infant is baptized, once they're baptized, they're saved, and they're good to go, and we don't have to worry about whether or not they believe anymore because they've been baptized. And because they've been baptized, they're saved. Really? That is human achievement. And what exactly did that baby do when it was baptized? Nothing. <laughs> Got a little water on its head. That's a church trying to make it easy for someone to, to say, no, I, well, I know if they go through these classes, if they take these classes, at the end of these classes, they're saved. Because they've done the classes, they're good to go. Really? There's no shortcut to faith. There's none. No shortcut. That's why I said it is both extremely simple and incredibly comp- complex. It's a simple thing to put your trust in something. It is complex to allow that something that you trust to, 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 for you to put your weight into it. For you to put your weight into Him. That's what it means. The church for years has developed a prayer. If you say this prayer like this, Billy Graham said it on TV. If I say it like Billy Graham said it, I'm good to go. Is it possible for me to utter the words of that prayer and not believe? Sure. Is it possible for me to utter the words of that prayer and believe? Absolutely. What's the difference? The difference is where my heart is, where my will is. And who knows that? You and God. That's it. You and God know. Listen, I want to put my faith and trust, my hope in Him. I want to follow Abraham. Because look what the Scripture says. It says, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore now, or therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Now that must have shocked the Jewish people. Because what did they all say? What was their big boast? Abraham's our father. Do you know what the Muslim's big boast is? Abraham's our father. Didn't know that? The Muslims go through Ishmael, and the Jews go through Isaac. Remember that extra son that Abraham had, a work of the flesh? He tried to help God out. One trusts in in Abraham from one side, one trusts in Abraham from the other side. But listen to what God said. First, we'll we'll look at Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist lays out something for us. In Matthew chapter 3, about verse 4, it says, Now, John clothed himself with camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and honey. And Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sin. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath who is to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. See, they put their hope, their faith, in their relationship to Abraham. We get a relationship with God because we're related to Abraham. Sometimes our children think they receive a relationship with God based on their relationship with us. Well, my mom and dad are Christian, so that makes me a Christian. I live in the United States. That makes me a Christian. I go to church. That makes me a Christian. Listen, your relationship is based on that. A relationship. Your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ, your Lord. And that doesn't go through someone else. Here, they were putting their hope in Abraham. But listen... Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, the scripture goes on. As Jesus was being confronted by the Pharisees, listen to what he says in verse 33. So they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. We have never been in bondage to anyone. 
How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. Well, they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. What was the work of Abraham? Abraham believed God. The Pharisees believed God? Nope. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. Listen, the word goes on, the scripture goes on, as Paul continues this, this argument from the scripture, he says, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. In you, Abraham, in your faith, all the nations, how many? Only the elect? Only certain ones? Only the Jews? How many? All the nations of the earth. John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Right? Only a few? Only certain people? God so loved the world. All the world. That he gave his only begotten son. Here it says, all in you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. With Abraham... God had the world in mind when he said, through you, all the nations of the world, all means all, are going to be blessed. What are they going to be blessed by? That faith. Understanding faith. Trust in God. Trusting in him. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many... As are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. If you want to base your life on being good enough, here is God's requirement. Very simple. You have to be perfect. How many we have this morning? Good. We have no delusional people that believe that they are perfect. What does he say? He says, listen, you have to do all the things that are written in the book of the law. There are certain members of the body of Christ who believe that we should keep the Sabbath. That the Sabbath day, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. They don't understand that the scripture declares to us that Jesus Christ is our Sabbath and we find our rest in him. Do they keep all the Sabbath? It's interesting how they don't keep all the Sabbath. They just keep the part of the Sabbath they like. They'll worship on Saturday. That's the part of the Sabbath they like. What about the Sabbath year? Every seven years, do they do no work? Do they let the land lie fallow and not plan a solitary thing? What about every 50 years? Do they forgive everyone's debts and set them free? There's a lot of parts of the Sabbath that people don't follow. The worshiping on Saturday is not the only thing. The Word of God says if you want to live by the works of the law, then you keep it all, not just part. You keep it all. You keep it all. The truth of God's Word teaches us that Jesus is the Sabbath. He is our rest. In Him we are set free. Didn't we just read that? By putting our what? Faith in Him. Because of a work we do? No, because we trust Him. And because we trust Him, because we love Him, out of our life naturally is going to flow fruit. And that fruit is evidence of a true and living faith within us. There's no shortcut to it. There's no, well, just go do the work. You can't have the work without the faith. It's just work. You gotta have the faith, you gotta have the trust, you gotta believe. Cursed is everyone who does not continue in the whole law, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. Wait a minute, what did that say? No one is justified by the law. That means no one is justified by works. No one means no one. Any way you wanna slice it, 
No one is justified by the law, by what they do. What does it say? For the just shall live by faith. The just will live by faith. What will mark their life? I believe what God says. I believe what God says. I feel, I don't, I don't always understand everything, I don't always get everything, but I believe what God said He will do. It's saving faith. I believe, I believe what He lays out for me, for the just will live by faith. <clears throat> Yet the law is not of faith. But the man who does them will live by them. Listen, you cannot have a relationship with God through works of, uh, of righteousness or through the law. For Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. When did Jesus hang on a tree? On the cross, right? Jesus became a curse for us. So that we could become the righteousness of God. By putting our weight into Him. By surrendering our will to His. By trusting Him with not only words. But in reality. In truth. By doing what God has called us to do. Listen. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. He's, he's done two arguments with us. The argument of personal experience and the argument from Scripture. What does Scripture lay out for us? That Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. What's that true belief? What's real belief? Putting our weight into him. Putting our trust in him. Believing what God said. And as we believe what God said... Naturally, what will flow from our life is a desire to please Him. If you say you believe in Jesus Christ and have no desire to please Him, you deceive yourself. Don't deceive yourself. Believe. God wants to do an an incredible work, I believe, here in us in me, in you, but it's got to have a starting point. And that starting point has to be a real relationship with Him. Not based on works, not based on thinking I'm a good person, but based totally and completely on what God said and believing what God said. And when I believe what God said, I want to do what God calls me to do. Do I do it to be saved? I do it in response to what He's done. It's the only way it works. If I do it to be saved, then what's my, what's my thought on that? I'm trusting in human achievement and not the God who has completed the work. When I trust in the God who has completed the work, I naturally want to live a life saying, I believe what you say. What's that mean? couple of practical ways. If I'm living in a relationship outside of marriage, the Bible calls that sexual immorality. The Bible says no one in a sexually immoral relationship can have a relationship with him. I either believe what God's word says or I don't. If I believe, if I trust the Lord, then I want to walk in his ways. Not the other way around. Because I trust him, then I either stop that relationship, where I do it right in God's eyes. That's putting my weight in him. I believe God. Am I saved because of that? No. Can I be saved despite it? Sure. Will I know? I don't know. Because I can't tell the difference in your life of what's just words and what's real. I can't tell what's just words coming out of someone's life. Uh, A question that really caused me to think was uh, uh, talking to a a fellow a long time ago that was in uh, homosexual lifestyle. 
And he, and he trusted, verbally at least, in Jesus Christ. Can I do that? Can I trust in Jesus Christ and live in any lifestyle that's outside of God's will? Before you answer that very quickly, think about it. Lying's outside of God's will. Cheating, stealing. And as I struggled with that thought and tried to work it through in my mind, how's that work in reality? The best answer I come up with is this. What defines you? Are you defined by what you believe? Or are you defined by what you want to be? If I say I'm defined by I want to be free to live my life how I want to live it, then I should live by that definition. If I want to live defined by the fact that I believe God, I love what CR says. Everybody who comes up before they speak at Celebrate Recovery say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. That's what defines me. I struggle with alcohol or drugs or whatever. But if I flip that and I say, I'm an alcoholic who struggles with believing in Jesus Christ, what defines me? What defines who I am? Where my faith is? Where my trust is? If I believe in Jesus Christ, then the scripture says I want to walk like he walked. Does it mean I do it perfectly? Of course not. But I desire it. If there's no desire, where am I? What is that faith? Listen, when I read James, it causes me to look inside myself and say, is my faith dead? Is my faith demonic? Or is my faith dynamic? And if my faith is dynamic, then I have a desire to obey. Am I perfect? Was Abraham perfect? No. Was his desire to obey the Lord? That's it. That's it. I believe in what God said. And it's the most important decision anybody ever makes. To believe. To put your weight in Him. And that's the decision that lies before us this morning. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to have a moment of prayer and time of, uh, of worship. And as we, uh, as we do that, I want, to, I want to just encourage you. I'm not trying to... to be a killjoy. <laughs> I'm just trying to be real and say, hey, this is, this is what the Word of God lays out for us. We are made right with God by what we believe. And our belief is real or not on what we do with it, on how it defines who we are. So as we, as we have that time of worship and as we have this time of prayer, I want to encourage you to, the Bible says, search yourself. Try me, know me, Lord. Show me. Don't believe a lie that God has a mystery He doesn't want to reveal in your life. God wants you to know His will. He wants you to have a relationship with Him. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to grow. He wants you to develop. And He has a plan for you. And all we have to do is ask Him. And He'll give us the Holy Spirit who will reveal to us those things in our life. We have to believe. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank You for this time. And God, even as we open up Your Word, Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that Your Holy Spirit would would, uh, just allow that the truth of Your Word to come through. Lord, uh, it speaks through fumble lips. But Lord God, it doesn't change the fact that your word is complete and true. Father, as we understand the the concept that you lay out for us in Galatians chapter 3, that it's not about what I do. It's not Jesus in anything. It's Jesus is the only thing. I've got to ask myself a question, God. Is Jesus my only thing? Is he central in my life? It's my belief 
real. Father, I pray that your spirit would move among us, God, even as we look to you, Father, to understand, to know, to realize, God, what you're doing and and how you're doing it, Lord God, that we would have a heart willing to hear what your spirit lays out for us. Father, if we're in a place, if we're in a, 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 a place walking in sin that we know to be sin, then, Father, give us the strength to repent of it and change our direction. And, and like John said, bear fruit worthy of repentance. Not just words, but in reality. But may we not go too far in the other direction and say, well, here's the shortcut. It's all about what I do and I'm not going to worry about what I believe. It's not about what I do. It's about who's already done it for me. Jesus did it. I just got to trust Him. I don't have to be a perfect performer. I just have to be a believer. I have to put my weight into Jesus Christ. And when I fail, I say, Jesus paid the price. And it gives me the strength to stand up and try again. Father God, it's so important for us to just understand, to grasp the concept. And it's sometimes a struggle to get a hold of by your spirit. Father, make it clear. Help us grasp. Make us understand that we would be real before you. So Lord, we lay this time before you and pray, God, that we would come to that place. Real, not imagined. Dynamic faith. Like Abraham. Sons of Abraham. Heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Because we believe. We give you all the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite the prayer.